Welcome to the Impactful Leadership Show. I'm your host, Greg McDonough. John Lennon once said, a dream you dream alone is only a dream. A dream you dream together is reality. Join me as we connect dreams to reality by chatting with innovators from around Washington, DC. Our show is proudly sponsored by the DC chapter of the Entrepreneurs Organization. This is the Impactful Leadership Show. Well, welcome to the Impactful Leadership Show. My name is Greg McDonough. I'm your host. I'm also the founder and CEO of Blackburn Capital Advisors and the chapter president of the Entrepreneurs Organization of Washington, D.C. Today's guest is a pioneer in personal brand leadership. She's the first lady of personal branding, a mother, a wife, and a leader, the founder of She Suite, and the founder and CEO of Velvet Suite. Melissa Simpkins, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's great to be here with you, Greg. Yeah, it's awesome to have you. But as we chatted, chatted about this, my podcast is around leadership. And my favorite question to ask my guests is what misconceptions have you seen in leadership? Oh, wow. Um, that's a loaded question. I think there's a lot of misconceptions <laughs> around leadership, particularly when you don't feel like um, you know what leadership is. And I, I think leadership is often like the word brand. It's overused and undervalued um, because it feels like it's everywhere. But to me, it's really, when I think about it, it's like one of the um, endangered resources <laughs> because people in general don't trust leadership. They don't trust political leadership. They don't trust corporate leadership. Um, there is just a total mistrust of leaders today. And um, so I have a couple of thoughts on that question um, we can start with. Um, one is that I think that people think that leadership is an action versus a lifestyle. And second is I often use this, this analogy that um, you should never trust a leader who doesn't walk with a limp. And that has to do with the fact that leadership is extremely hard work and it often comes with um, scars to prove it. <laughs> battle scars that you have to go through something in leadership. Um, and the last one is if leadership was a profession, I think people think leadership would be like the CEO or the executive um, or the president, right, of a, of a country. I think a profession that really better articulates what is leadership is a farmer. And um, I, I, there's a couple of reasons why I think of that. Um, but those are three things that I when you ask the question, kind of, I often think about because I, I my whole business model is around developing leaders. And so um, those are the three things that come to mind. I love, we'll get, we'll get into all three of those, but the, the first one really jumped off the page for me when you talked about action versus lifestyle. Because one of the things I've recognized is you're not just a leader in your business, you're a leader in your community, you're a leader to yourself, you're a leader to your family, and you can't break that apart. So, yes. so talk to us a little bit more about lifestyle and you know, I'll leave it at that for, before my next question. Yeah, I, I, I have this philosophy and it's just the approach of my personal life and it's the challenge of my personal life and of the work that I do. So my company Velvet Suite is a leadership innovation firm. So we spend time in the leadership lab, like what does it take to be a leader? What is that really, what is the DNA of leadership and, and who does it well and why does it corrode when it does and what happens and, and all of those things. And I think that a lot of times because of 
the world that we are in where we create personas and people feel like they are on and off. I think also just the nature of work is that there are, you know, Monday through Friday person. And then this weekend is when I get to hang out. And then there's Monday again, where I'm back to work. And that's when I'm being a leader. But when you really think about leadership as a state of being versus doing, it really does start with how do I take ownership for my life, right? So before anyone called me a leader, I had to really own the fact that I saw myself as a leader. One of my mentors, the great uh, Dr. Miles Monroe would say, why is the lion the king of the Sahara? And I love the Lion King. Like my son has it on his wall. It's one of my favorite movies. When I hit my hair is out, it's big, like a lion. Like it's, I'm all about the lion. And lion is some, that is the brand of leadership. You think of all the animals in the animal kingdom, right? What is the brand of leadership? It's the lion. And he says, um, is the lion the fastest or the strongest or the biggest? And I'm like, no, he's not the fastest, strongest, the biggest. So why is the lion the king? And the lion is the king because he says, I am. And everybody else is like, okay, <laughs> right? So the lion decides I'm going to be the king. And everyone else says, Okay. And when you think about the lion's also interesting characteristics is a lion has exquisite vision. Like a lion can see six times more in depth than the human eye can see at night. Right. So when you think about dissecting the DNA of leadership, if the lion is the brand of leadership, what it makes that animal unique, it's the fact that he has vision, the fact that he owns his position and he declares who he is and everyone else responds. So being um, you know, a woman who started a business from a family that didn't have entrepreneurship. My grandfather was the first to go to college. You know, I would not, I came from a small town that I'm very proud of, Fayetteville, North Carolina, but you would not uh, perceive, you know, leadership to come from different places. But I think that it does because it really gets back to owning your own leadership first. And that is a lifestyle. It's a mindset. It's a mindset. And then it goes into like, the habits and the behaviors and the way that we go about leading our life. So I'm really curious across your journey, mm-hmm. when did that light bulb brighten for you, right? Assuming we've got audience members who are at the beginning of their leadership journey or are thinking about who am I going to be taking ownership of their life? What's, what's the, What's the pivoting point or what was your pivoting point to say, you know what, this is what I need to do. I need to take ownership of my life. And then it, then it flowered into who you are today, or have you always been this way where you, you know, seven years old and you felt this way. Talk to us about that journey. Yeah, It's interesting because I am um, probably of my mother's children. I'm one of two. I'm the oldest. I am the one who is least confident and most insecure between my sister and I. I started my first encounter in school, which is when you build relationships, you kind of start to know who you are. My sister and I, my dad was finishing grad school in Indiana and we were the only quote unquote colored kids in our school. We were actually called colored kids. And so my mother told my neighbor, like they didn't even know my name. Like they just called me sister and I colored kid. And, you know, I think that I had an experience at that time that I did not feel secure in my skin. um, And I did not really know who I was, but then I did because my parents reinforced 
that you're much more than the color of your skin and God gave you purpose and you're here to do something great. So I had voices who were telling me that and it became a journey. Um, I then went on to move to where I call home, Fayetteville, North Carolina, and I had never seen so many black kids or kids that looked like me. But then at that time, I was still kind of an outsider because I wasn't from the area or because I, at that time, I was considered light skin, right? So then other kids thought who were black or brown that I looked different because I was like, quote unquote, light skin, right? So you realize that as you get older in different circles, you know, you go to your first job, the role of an outsider, you know, when you understand that sometimes you're going to be the outsider, you start to begin to realize like, wait a minute, what is making me different can be my difference. And that did not happen early on. At first I was very shy and timid and felt insecure. And then my parents and other people reinforced it. And then I got in a community that reinforced it. But then again, I moved and as you evolve, you realize, wait a minute, wait a minute. If I'm the, I remember going to my first time working out. I mean, you, you run, you're an athlete. And I competed in my first fitness competition in 20, was that 2012? But I remember being totally intimidated about the gym and I would go in the gym and I'd be the only woman, you know, by the bar. And I'm like, I don't want to pull up because all these other guys are around lifting weights. And I'm, I'm like, you know what? I'm an outsider. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to just be myself in this moment. And so the lesson to be learned to your question is embracing the fact when you are the only one, mm-hmm. like I'm a branding expert difference is what makes brands valuable. And I learned that when I put my profession in line with my personal life, I was like, wait a minute, a brand is valuable because of its differences, not because of its similarities. So if I can put myself in circumstances where I stand out as being different, then I can actually elevate my value. And so that began to shift my mindset around, I started looking for places where I was the youngest, where I was the only female, where I was the first marketer. You know, I got on board positions because I was the only marketer and they were a a profession that was not about marketing, right? But I brought my different to that board. So those are the ways I started to turn it upside down from being an outsider to being someone who could, you know, use my difference and make a difference. I love I love that bring your differences right and mm-hmm. celebrate that you know mm-hmm. um, one of the concepts I I really have followed probably over the last ten years is celebrating my weaknesses right I'm I'm very mm-hmm. good at many things I think <laughs> mm-hmm. but that also means I'm very poor at many things and recognizing that is a mindset and a and then something to adapt to. Um, very similar to what you're saying. That's awesome. But I, I love bringing that back, you know, bringing your differences. Um, so let's rewind a handful of minutes and talk about the, the, the second point you made when I asked you that leading question. And you said leaders need to walk with a limp. Can you give me a little bit more insights on that? Yeah, you know, I used to think that um, if something went wrong, something was wrong. <laughs> and I did And, you know, nobody wants to have disruption or conflict or crisis happen in their life. It's like, we just want it to be smooth, easy sailing. But what I learned, and I learned to embrace with those were moments that were my my leadership lab experience. Like when I was going through a test, a challenge, a situation, um, it was going to be the making of my leadership. Like that was where my leadership was not only tested, 
but my next level was birth. Like I could not go to the next level and whatever that level looked like um, from remedial to elementary, from elementary to high school, I had to have a test, right? So the leadership lab of, of going through something and, and which ultimately you do have a limp because it's marked you, <laughs> you know, it's impacted you in some way, shape or form, whether it's a financial crisis, you know, and you have to recover your business, whether it's a health crisis, whether it's the relationship crisis and your, your marriage dissolves or you lose a child or you lose for me when I was in um, my first job. Uh, six months in, my boyfriend, who I thought I was going to marry, died suddenly playing basketball, right? That moment birthed Velvet Sweet. That experience is what birthed my company because I, at that moment, decided I was going to pursue purpose and not just have a career because what I thought was going to be, you know, my out, my, my next step, which was getting married was not going to happen. So what was I left with? I was either going to crumble or I was going to create something better and move forward in my life. So um, that's what I mean with the limp. You know, you can look at me and I, I you know, I clean up pretty good, but I got a lot of scars <laughs> from this thing called life. And I'm proud of my battle scars because it allows me to be confident and come to you. People say, oh, you're so confident. It's only because of what I've come through. Um, you know, that's kind of how, how I've been built. You know, just expanding on that, a little bit, and thank you for that share. Um, I've seen in times going into a situation or into an opportunity that you know you're going to come out with a limp, right? It's mm -hmm. COVID. You know mm -hmm. who's going to who's going to step up to a leadership position at the beginning of a pandemic? It's yeah. hey, my company is going through a bankruptcy process. Who's going to step up and help get this through? And you just know going into it that at the end of the day, there's going to be a lot of learning and a lot of injury mm -hmm. and your leadership style will have a limp. I love that expression. It's, it's mm -hmm. very, it captures it very, very well. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned the birth of Velvet Suite. Talk to me a little bit more about that. What, you mentioned when the inspiration came and you, you found your passion and you wanted to take control of your life. Um, you know, talk to our audience about especially those who are on the brink or thinking about taking a starting a business or following their passion versus what our past or our parents would tell us to do. Talk to us a little bit more detail on, on that journey of, of starting your business, where the passion come, came from and what gave you the courage just to go for it. Yeah. Um, pursuit of purpose. Hmm. Pursuit of purpose was um, my number one desire. When you go through loss, you have to find reason. You got to find like, okay, what is this all for? What does it really mean? And I'm a person who's always asked why a lot. Um, and so I've always been curious about purpose. And what I learned through this journey is, um, and I use this analogy often, is that purpose is not on Prime. It's not like Amazon. It delivers <laughs> next day, right? It, it takes a lifetime to live it and learn it and walk through it. And so the journey of building Velvet Suite was I wanted to build a company. I always knew after coming, I graduated from grad school at Northwestern in early 2000. And I wrote in my capstone course that I was going to launch a business 10 years later. 
Um, but I did not, when I go back and look at it, I literally found it in storage a couple of months ago. I'm like, wow, I actually wrote that. And, and I believe in writing your vision because that's how it comes to fruition. And I wrote that, but I had no idea what I was going to go through to do that. I had no idea that at the time, you know, that was going to be my journey, but the type of business I launched was different, right? I was a classically trained marketer and I wanted to do marketing consulting, but when I launched Velvet Suite, it was a company about discovering purpose and letting purpose be the guiding force to create lasting leadership. And so that became a different approach than I thought because of what I went through. And so that became my quest and aligning my passion, my profession and all of these things kind of evolved. And I mean, you know, in entrepreneurship, it's an evolution. Um, it's 15 years in the making, but that's where it started. So just expanding a little bit deeper in passion, somebody comes to you and says, Melissa, I'm struggling to find my passion. Are there exercises or a worksheet or a Google site <laughs> that you just type in what's my passion and it gives you a passion? <laughs> I say that in joking, obviously, but what would you advise, how would you advise that person who's struggling to find their passion? Yeah, it's a great question because everybody wants it. And, you know, at the end of the day, um, people pay for what brings them joy or alleviates their pain. Those are the two reasons why people pay money and passion brings joy. Um, so I can tell you what our my approach was and I can tell you kind of our formula at Velvet Suite. So, yes, there is an approach to do it. I think one of the first steps that you have to do is really step back, reflect and look at what is working in your life. And, and a lot of times we don't listen to our lives. That's what I learned in my journey. We're so busy doing and we get good at doing one thing and it brings on other things and people recognize other things that we're good at and then they pile it on and we're just kind of on this treadmill, but we haven't really stepped, pulled back and said, assessing my life, like what really brings me energy and joy? What drains me? what takes me down what, 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 and, and how much of my day is spent in either one of those buckets, mm -hmm. right? And if I can't even remember what I'm doing, then that means I'm really not in tune with my life. So taking an assessment that way is one immediate step and then beginning to say, okay, how do I start to align more of what brings me passion and joy into what I do every day? Sometimes you can make it a profession, like you can make it a job. Other times you can't afford to do it right now, but you can really build out a hobby that you really love. Um, so it's about making room in your life. And I think overall, what I'm 100% clear on now is that the life that I have now did not come to me without me making the commitment that I was going to go after it at all costs. Meaning I was not going to allow life to tell me what my life should be. Um, there is a level of trust. I'm a woman of faith. I totally believe that God has a plan and a purpose for my life. And I am open to that, but I also am a coworker in that, right? So I have to do my part. And so part of what I, um, I coach people on every day is, you know, what is that it for you? And where do you start? How can you begin to step back, make space in your life for it and put accountability around making it a priority to do it? every day versus just talking about it or thinking about it. That's powerful. Very, very powerful. Um, so let's continue to talk about Velvet Suite and 
describe to me or and our audience you, the client you most enjoy working with. You know, what's who are they? What do they find their passion? What do they do every day? Is there, you know, talk to us about yeah, the prototype yeah. of leadership. Yeah. So we really think of ourselves as a company that focuses on elite performing leaders, you know, and people who truly understand the importance of leadership. Our clients at Velvet Suite are Fortune 500 companies. So to be clear, what we do is we offer leadership solutions that are built for scale for large organizations. Our core business is really the She Suite, and that is a sister platform that launched 2013 that focuses on companies who are, have a leadership gap with women. So we've built a whole suite of solutions around helping larger organizations build a pipeline of talent that enables these women to live and lead differently. It's all the things we're talking about, incorporating purpose, incorporating passion, being able to um, progress their career on their terms. It's a different model and mindset for companies, quite honestly, but we have two kind of uh, customers. We have the company who buys, but we have the women who actually go through our curriculum, our, which is called the Brand Leadership Institute, our events, the She Suite Summit and other services. So the type of women that we are that we speak to are what we call potentialist women who really are about like, I am going to fulfill my fullest potential. I want to have the best version of me lived in the time that I have, because I don't know when my last breath will be right. So those are the type of women um, who truly benefit. And sometimes they can be entrepreneurs. Many times they work for organizations, but they're willing to invest in themselves and see the value in them first. I like to say without investment, there's no advancement. There's nothing that I've done that for a long time, I was like, man, why does anybody just buy this idea? Don't they get the idea? And I realized I had to invest in myself first so they can see the idea and then they will invest in it. <laughs> but they weren't going to invest in it just because I told them it was a good thing, right? I had to do the financial investment, the time investment first. When I did it, they saw it and then it created the, the windstorm that happened after so I feel like that's a lot of times we wait for people to invest and that's when we don't do the first move and, and invest in ourselves first. Sure. And I suspect you've seen, you know, a, a pickup in that influence, a, a, an increase in impact that you and your team are having across this demographic, these female leaders. Um, talk to us what, what gets you excited about the future? You've seen the trends, you, know, you started your business years ago and as it's grown and as its impact's grown and as the community has developed, um, talk to me a, a little bit about what the future looks like for your business, for this community and what gets you excited about it? Oh, I am really excited and I'm very hopeful because I feel like we're at a... Um, a, a kind of cataclysmic point where you have culture, you have technology, you have community, you have all of these things merging at the same time. Um, you have culture where companies are realizing, and <clears throat> we've been talking purpose and work and well being for a long time. But because of COVID, because of where people are in the great resignation, the she session, all of the things that have been put out there that we read about in, in, in the, the news headlines companies are now saying, wait a minute, we do need to step back and rethink. How do we 
develop our talent? How do we really leverage technology to connect people together? How do we build community? Um, we have a need for women who are saying, you know what? I don't have to stay in a job I don't love. I really can create and define my own path. Sometimes it'll be entrepreneurial. Sometimes it might be entrepreneurial, but I'm willing to hedge my bets on me, right? So you've got the mindset of these women. You also have the power of technology that's coming in in a moment that COVID has required people to no longer you know, think about physically meeting as the only solution. So what we've done is we've built a technology platform that's enabled us to bring content, community, and connections together in a way that um, is expanding our reach. I mean, this year we've grown global. Um, we had our She Sweet Summit event and you know, 22 countries from around the world participated in that event. Um, and, and so it just shows the power of this moment. And I think being able to me, what excites me about it is that um, I want my legacy to be the, the, the exponential impact of purpose-driven leaders that I've been able to take what I, the little bit that I've shared, I mean, <laughs> from literally, you know, literally I remember being in my closet, like, I don't want to live anymore. Like, what am I going to do with my life to seeing mm -hmm. the impact of what has happened just by taking that courageous step to believe and to walk in purpose and not fear, right? Because I left my job three months before I was vested. Like, let me, let me tell you about stepping out when other people were like, why would you do that? But it was because I felt like if I didn't do it, then I wasn't going to do it because I was going to be, you know, handcuffed to a job and a comfort zone. And so, you know, to me, that says a lot. Um, if we were able to make those types of impact with people. You're, uh, you're giving me goosebumps just listening to that <laughs> story. It's, it's amazing. Um, Let's go further back. Let, let's talk yeah. about Melissa, your childhood, how you grew up, where you got into branding. Talk, give us some insights on your journey. Tell us how you've gotten to where you are today. You know, I've always, um, you know, it's funny, you asked me earlier about like when I, how did I deal with the, I, I think it's imposter syndrome. And, and one of the things that I did very consciously as a child, I remember doing this is I had to find a way to feel like I, I mattered. And my, my maiden name is Johnson and my nickname is MJ. And that is intentional because I was like, you know what? There's Michael Jackson, there's Michael Jordan, there's Mary J. Blige. Like I found all these MJs that were great in the world. And my, I'm, by the way, my dad's from Gary. So Michael Jackson literally is, you know, his, grand, his father worked with my grandfather in the steel mill. So I found these, motivations that helped me feel like I can do anything like these Michael Jackson's from where my grandpa was from. I can do anything you know so those were some of the things I always tell myself um, and then I will tell you my childhood growing up in Fayetteville North Carolina was um, pretty amazing because at a time when I was still trying to determine who I was and my identity um, my community there was so unique and special Fayetteville is home of the 82nd Airborne. It is a military town, but it is also um, home to E.E. Uh, e. Smith High School, which is one of the first high schools in the country to actually have an alumni association. And at the time, every principal who taught at the school had graduated from the school. So very strong culture, very strong um, support 
um, from leaders after they would, I remember kids would come back from college and when they'd come back for their spring break, they would come to our high school and they would come in and the teachers, whenever they come in, they got free reign of the room and they'd say, listen, guys, this is what college is like. This is how you need to prepare. This is why you're doing the work you're doing now. Um, and so I got great pride in being, seeing myself as a leader and seeing like what I could be, go to college and I could be like the kids that um, graduated from my high school and, and did great things. Um, and so we, we have a, a huge kind of community globally um, with people who graduated from my high school. I'm very proud of that. So those were some of the things that shaped me, uh, my parents as well. My dad's an educator um, and my mother is an image consultant. So I got a little bit of both from them. And I have an awesome sister who's a principal. And I mean, my childhood, I think, really shaped me in valuing um, community as well. Um, that was one of the things that I did. I, I was a, a, I don't share this often, but I was a, a pageant queen person. <laughs> and I was Miss Teen Fayetteville. And one of the things I did is I ran a, a nonprofit kind of volunteer program from, from my kids in my high school. And we, we did volunteer work. And that's how I got to college, actually, with a community service scholarship. And so that was always instilled in us, like you give back. And that's where the farmer analogy comes in around leadership. I learned the importance of you always give back. Like that is um, Miriam Wright Edelman, a book that I, I read. She is the founder of the Children's Defense Fund. And she wrote a book called um, Letters to My Children and Yours. And she said, service is the rent you pay for living. It's not something you do in your spare time. And I love that quote. So those are some of the things that shaped me, I think, as a kid. Um, and um, yeah, I'm still a Southern girl at heart. <laughs> <laughs> but you brought up the farmer analogy again. Yeah. Um, talk, to us, talk to me a little bit more about where that concept came. It, it, it's true, right? It's um, <laughs> the profession of a, of a leader is more like a farmer than the president of the United States, for example. Right. Um, I love it. I'm going to use that going forward. But talk to me about where, what you meant by that. Yeah, I mean, it's, and I've, I've heard it used before, so it's not an original thought, but I do believe that when you think about the idea of servant leadership, I mean, at the end of the day, there's a lot of conversation around with different styles of leadership. I tend to be a servant leader approach, but it is this idea of that you are cultivating, you're planting seeds, you're watering and you don't see a lot happening underground, right? You're as a leader, you're throwing out seeds for your team. You're throwing out seeds for your family and your kids. You're throwing out seeds, you know, for your business and your clients and the leads that you're bringing in. And you're just throwing out all these seeds. But what you don't realize is as you're watering and as you're cultivating, as you're doing the work yourself, that those things are taking root. And what's amazing about it is that they spring forth at different times, but yet you are feasting now on something you planted three years ago. Like you're reaping a harvest on something that didn't just happen last year. So your job is always to be planting seeds. You know, um, I, I've had, you know, I had an email that I answered yesterday from someone who worked with me two years ago and said, hey, it was the best experience working with your team. And now I love a testimonial from you, right? I planted seeds with her and those seeds are still germinating for her now. 
Um, you see it with your kids, right? They don't, they don't mm-hmm. want to give you a hug. They don't want to talk to you. And then all of a sudden they come out and say, you did the best thing ever. And that you're the greatest dad. And I love you. And that thanks for all you taught me. And you're like, that was, it took me 20 years to get that from you, but okay. Right. It's the seed. It's the seed. So I, I love that analogy. Um, and I, it just reminds me to slow down as well. Cause a lot of times in this society, we just want things so quick. And when you think about the analogy of the farm, you're like, you know what, it's going to harvest at the right time. But my job right now is just to plant the seeds. Another reason I, I love that is it, it brings you into your present mindset, right? If you're doing work or family or, or wherever you are and you're sitting there going, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Or it feels like a drag or just something's not right. Or I don't know, you're just on a random walk. To your point, you're truly planting seeds. Mm-hmm. And at some point in the future, and I find this often in my life that I, when I look back, you know, it's a perfectly straight line. But when mm-hmm. I was living in that moment, I had no idea why I said yes to that thing and no to this other thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so back to your, your analogy, it's, yeah, you're, you're planting seeds and you don't yeah. know what's going to grow. No clue. But as long as you're harvesting and giving it tender love and care, something yeah. should come out of the ground and maybe it won't. And that's part of the journey as well. Correct. Correct. And you're always, and I love the fact, you know, um, I, I, I tend to think about branding as you want to be sustainable branding as you want to be groundbreaking, but remain grounded, you know, because so much of what people lose in the pursuit of success is who they really are. And mm. that's that groundedness. Right. And so a farmer is always grounded. That's, that's where the seeds are in the ground. And so to me, the dichotomy of, of, um, we, one of my clients in the past was, um, I worked in celebrity branding was common. He's a hip hop artist and um, actor and activist and lots of great things. He's an amazing guy. But one of the things that we did when we were working on his brand concept was around uh, this notion of the, the courage to change, but to remain the same. And like, to me, that is the essence of leadership. Like how do we continue to evolve and how do we continue to be groundbreaking, but at the same time, not lose our, our soul in it, not lose our sense of self and why we started the journey um, because it's so easy to get caught up. And then in a moment, it can all be gone right. and like for what? <laughs> that is very true. So Melissa, tell our audience um, how they can find you. You know, somebody's listening today or watching us on YouTube and they're inspired by our conversation. They wanted how can we find you? Are, what social media platforms are you on? Are there any that you're not on? Mm-hmm. Help, us, help us find you if you want to be found. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to be found. And I want to thank you also for this opportunity. I love what you're doing for entrepreneurship and just for sharing the, your wisdom and knowledge. You've been helpful to me. And so I just really want to appreciate, take the time to appreciate you for this opportunity. It's my you, you can find me. I am where I'm not actively is Twitter. I'm not actively on Twitter, but I am on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. LinkedIn is really kind of my, um, my jam where I spend a lot of time in our business does. So it's Melissa Don Simpkins. I use my middle name, D-A-W-N Simpkins, S-I-M-K-I-N-S, no P. People have to say Simpkins, but it's Simpkins. And um, yeah, you can find me on any of those platforms. Our website is um, the, the sister platform we talked about, SheSuite, is SheSuite.com thesheesuite.com. And yeah, I would love to connect and um, thank you for the opportunity. Awesome. And if you don't mind, we'll put your 
LinkedIn links and your G Suite URL and everything else in our show notes. So if anyone wasn't able to grab that quick enough, um, don't hit the 30 second rewind. It'll be in the show notes. Just scroll down. Well, Melissa, it's been great having you on the show. You've got me fired up for the day. Um, so thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It's been fun. And that's a wrap, my friends. Thank you for spending your time with me. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at impactfulleadershipshow.com. One last food for thought. Walk on with hope in your heart and you'll never walk alone.